Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, The Adventures of Jerry Lewis, number 94. Cover date, May, June 1966. Cover price, 12 cents. Cover artist, Bob Oxner, edited by Murray Boltonoff. Featuring A Boy's Best Friend is His Mummy, written by Arnold Drake, art by Bob Oxner and Tom Nicolosi. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go. Hey, what do you call an Egyptian doctor? A chiropractor. And that's the funniest thing you're going to hear on this episode. Enjoy! guest today is Sean from Cinema Chop Shop Podcast. Hello, everybody. Um, Hi, Sean. Hi. Sean, you're expecting a hurricane there very soon, aren't you? I think so. That's what they tell me. Cool, cool, cool. Well, good luck, everybody. 
Thanks. I think our high today up here is 80. Um, apparently the Bahamas are gone as oh, no. of Sunday afternoon. Oh, what do you mean, like gone? Like Well, pretty just flattened. Yeah, Category 5. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the president had never heard of a Category 5. <laughs> so I already feel better. Yeah. Hey, we're looking at The Adventures of Jerry Lewis, number 94. Today, has everyone read the comic? I have. Yes. My condolences. Yeah. Um, the Adventures of Jerry Lewis went, ran for 124 issues from 1952 to 1971. How is that possible? Right. Yeah. It began as The Adventures of Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, but Dean Martin got kicked to the curb. I bet he was about, real torn up about that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was gone before the monster craze started. Does anyone have any idea why there were so many monsters in pop culture in the 60s? I mean, I know about radiation-based monsters because it had to do with the atomic age. Right. Sean? I have no idea, Uh, especially in the late 60s. It seems kind of weird. Right. Well, there's lots of monsters in this issue. Oh. Let's start with the cover, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, the cover is by Bob Oxner and Tom Nicolosi. And uh, Bob Oxner was a longtime artist at DC Comics, doing lots of this humor uh, kind of work, Jerry Lewis and Bob Hope, and our favorite feature from The Fox and the Crow, Stanley and the Monster. Stanley. <laughs> um, after the humor craze died down, he went on to do Supergirl, Lois Lane, and Shazam things of that nature but clearly he's in his heyday here <laughs> did you notice all the little things on the cover art like mark antony was here uh-huh. uh gi joe 18th century dynasty toy company by the way i looked this up there never was a roman legionary gi joe toy yeah i wouldn't think so well i would it seems like a natural bet to me there was an action man in Britain, but no G.I. Joe. Hmm. To it may concern, we read on the cover, <laughs> I nearly flipped when I slipped and tripped in a crypt in Egypt where a boy's best friend is his mummy. Mm. Get it? Because he's unwrapping a mummy Mm-mm. on the cover. Who is the mummy supposed to represent? He, he looks like he's modeled after someone famous. Kind of lo- who played the mummy in the movies? It kind of looks like Boris Karloff, Is I guess. It? Okay, yeah. let's go to the splash page. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really at a loss for words. Um, we have a narration here from Witchcraft, it's Craft with a Gay, who's the maid for Jerry Lewis in this comic continuity. Um, we have uh, Jerry Lewis dressed as a mummy with his nephew Renfrew, also a recurring character, unfortunately, and a big, fat Egyptian woman coming in to marry Jerry. And then a little toad-like monster. With a really strange nose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say I really like the way that the uh, little green monster is drawn. And maybe there's a reason for that, because he has a very phallic nose. <laughs> <laughs> so witchcraft is saying, I mean, there are puns on every page here. 
So she says, breaking into a tomb in Egypt is a grave error, but slicing into turkey is even gravier. Sean, what do you know about Jerry Lewis movies? Um, they're they're wacky, zany, and silly. Are those um, positive descriptors you're using? Not for me. Same. <laughs> I don't honestly know if I've ever seen a Jerry Lewis movie. Well, whenever I would see them, I would just turn the channel. Yeah, same here. Uh, it's not my cup of tea. Nope. Well, how do you fellas know if you've never watched one all the way through? Well, I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen clips, I guess. I was sick as a child. You know, once in a while I had the flu. So a Jerry Lewis movie, come on, I'd watch it and sort of daze off. And, you know, they're awful. Well, that telethon did me in. Remember those days? Oh, my God. There's only three channels and you had to watch it? Yes, we'd make big bowls of popcorn and sit up and watch watch the whole Parade of Stars. Really? Yes. As a family? Yes. Wow. Does that surprise you from my NASCAR family? Yeah. Why? I just can't imagine you all sitting together watching Lola Falana and <laughs> uh, Dick Butkus. And- you don't. It wasn't like, you know, Laurence Olivier came on there and recited Shakespeare. It was always, you know, stars that we like, like Charo and the whole gang from the Love Boat would come on, make a stop by. Do you know Charo legally changed her age so that she's 10 years younger than she actually is? Well, that'll catch up with her son. I had heard that. It's true. Do you know that Bob would drive across the country if he knew that he could see Charo in concert? I would believe that, yes. I would do it in a day, too. If she was in California, mm-hmm. I'd be there tomorrow. Well, you'd fly. No, I would drive. <laughs> you can't drive to California in 24 hours? Yes, you can. No, you can't? Sure you can. No, you can't. You can get to, like, the very tip of California, like the edge, the border, in 24 hours. Sean. What? <laughs> can't do that. Um, we opened this issue. God, let's move on. In an advertising agency <clears throat> where the advertising staff is greeting their boss, Mr. Jacker. <laughs> uh, Mr. Jacker is ordering his secretary around and finally his, uh, I don't know what this position is, vice president of acquisitions. Comes in with a antique cobra ring, which he has mounted an expedition to Egypt for to steal. Well, you got to point back. out that Mr. Jacker has a cat of nine tails. Thank you. Like he beats That's his staff. That's what you guys are here for. Right, right, right. He beats his staff and his secretaries quite shapely. She's good, though. Look what she can do. I know she's got a cup on her head and things in her hands. Um. Now, Sean, you're in advertising. Is that a cost-effective way to garner more business by mounting an archaeological expedition to Egypt and robbing a tomb? We we have what's called an ROI, a return on investment, and I don't think that the (laughs) ROI is high enough in this case. On Jacker Cracks, Candy? I don't think that this is quite worth the effort. They could have easily just made the model in a... uh, a shop in, you know, China. 
Right. Well, then it wouldn't have the magic curse power, which well, was apparently all part the of the attraction. Have all the curse power, as you'll see. Um, so Mr. Sharp has brought the cursed cobra ring of King Tut-Tut-Tut. Tut-Tut-Tut. Oh, sorry. I was reading fast to get through this because it's horrible. Well, don't worry. You'll have 25 more chances to see it. <laughs> so Mr. Jacker makes Jacker Cracks candy, which comes with a prize in every box. And Sharp's idea is that they're going to make copies of the cursed ring, all of which, of course, will contain the curse also. Because that's how copying things works. Yeah, like a photocopier? Mm-hmm. A 3D printer? Yep. <laughs> and then children all over America will be able to curse each other with the curse strings. That checks out. Every kid will want one to put a curse on their teacher, their kid brother, and their other loved ones. But that one they're going to lock into a safe. Right, the original. So they can make more copies. Meanwhile, at 22 Featherhead Lane, Witchcraft is painting the kitchen with her magic powers. And Renfrew is there watching. Renfrew, again, is the nephew of Jerry Lewis. He's a troublemaker. I'll say. He's also got a hairstyle reminiscent of my own when I was that age. (laughs) That's unfortunate. (laughs) Yep. Well, I couldn't do anything with it. I had such thick hair. So witchcraft is using her powers to paint many, um, use, use many buckets of paint and brushes at the same time to paint the walls and the cabinets and Ren Fru, uh, shoots arrows in them and they all go onto her head and she chases him through the house and he's already set up a trap. She falls down on the floor. Then she points her hands at him and throws him up into the air. My favorite thing that she says is on page four when she says in the right hand corner, you little roach. I'll nail your scalp to the wall for that. <laughs> she's uh, she's a little diabolical. Do we know how he came across having a witch for a housemaid? I don't. I mean, I'm, no, not, this I'm not familiar with Jerry Lewis's history. Um, I'm not either, and nor do I care to be. All right, moving on. <laughs> but it is, you know, it's during the period of Bewitched, so I imagine. I dream of genie and stuff yeah. like that, so. True. Everybody was, there was a whole witch sort of supernatural housekeeper craze going on, right? So Jerry Lewis comes home. We're on the second section there, page five. Jerry Lewis comes home. Witchcraft has Renfrew suspended in air. She thinks that uh, he's brought a gift for the home, but no, he's brought Renfrew a box of Jacker Cracks because he has been a good boy for two days. I wonder if Jerry Lewis himself had to approve the depiction of him. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I noticed that the the drawings of Jerry look way different from everyone else in the comic. Um, I do know that Neil Adams would sometimes come into these and draw faces because he could do uh, good caricatures. But I, this doesn't look good enough to be his work. He looks young. Who, Jerry Lewis? Uh-huh. Well, he looks... In this comic. The teeth is what I was getting oh, after. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if he, Jerry Lewis looked at this and said, yep, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> teeth and all. Okay, let's move on. So, uh, <laughs> boy, there's no fun here. What does that witch do? <laughs> Witchcraft, she decides that she's going to... <sighs> Steal the ring. 
to lose sight of the narrative? I did. I was trying to find out where um, Jerry Lewis says in the middle panel of page five, listen, it's got the model of the cursed ring of tut, tut, tut inside. And she says, oh, that gives me a loony idea, a regal, a real chilly dilly. Anyway, she summons the cursed ring and Jerry Lewis swallows it. Yeah, I didn't know if this was leading to a larger gag because she uh, does some kind of x-ray magic to confirm that he has swallowed the ring. Did you? St- are you comfortable with the things that she found in his stomach? Yeah, what's... Uh, this is kind of a Richard Gere situation, I think. Oh, yeah, he ate the souvenir <laughs> from the 39 World's Fair. Yeah, right? he, has and, a, he has a, a protractor in there. Is that what they call it? Swiss Army uh, Knife. Swiss uh, Army Knife. A compass. It's open, too. And uh, Eyeglasses. Eyeglasses. A stamp. And, and a stamp. <laughs> and a top. And what's that red thing? It's a top. It's a spinning top. Do you see this? Right oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All that's in his stomach. Um, now, the model from the 1939 New York World's Fair, of course, is the uh, pylon and perisphere. Is that what they were called? Skylon, maybe. Anyway, uh, famously to DC Comics readers, that would be the contemporary headquarters of the All-Star Squadron. Oh. On Earth 2. I know Earth 2 is a sore subject for you, Rob. Sorry. That's all right. Beer makes it easier. Sure does. Sean, we're drinking Tropicanon Citrus IPA, Heavy Seas. Oh, cool. I'm it drinking coffee. Like- it's got ale with blood orange and grapefruit, zest, and other natural flavors. Sean is also a beer brewer, everyone. He is part owner of... Seminar Brewing Company in Florence, South Carolina. Thank you. So check it out when you're there after the devastation of the hurricane. It's fantastic beer. Okay, so now we're in the tomb. And the mummy's waking up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be Boris Karloff. Yeah. The mummy's awake. He's waking up other people, other mummies. What's that movie with Chris Pratt? And what's her face? Where he only wakes her up because he thinks she's cute. Passengers. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, things just come into my head. Forgot all about that movie. Um, so, Boris, well, it's pretty forgettable. Amen. Because he... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he's waking up his assistant, Louis Tata. I don't know if that's supposed to be a reference to anything or not. And they hear this strange sound, which goes, pocket a slurp, pocket a pocket a slurp. I thought it was going to be a mummy walking towards them like a zombie or something. Well, I liked around. once I found out what it was, I thought because I, I was bothered by the sound. I thought, "What the heck is that?" Pocket a slurp, pocket a pocket a slurp. Right. Uh, so he wakes up his assistant. He wakes up all his guards. He wakes up his wife, Princess Shamada, the fat bat herself, and her pet cat. <laughs> yeah, she kind of looks like Mama Cass. Yeah. <laughs> Notice that her bandages make a dress. Hmm. Um, a wrap dress, if you will. <laughs> hey, remember when Mama Cass used to be on um, Scooby-Doo all the time? How many times? At least once. <laughs> but all the time. If you hated Scooby-Doo like I did and only saw a handful of episodes, then oh. it seems like all the time. Why did we hate Scooby-Doo? We should have liked it. Why, though? Those idiot kids driving around in a pot van... With I only like the crossover episodes with Batman and Robin. 
Mm-hmm. Or the Partridge family. Oh, the Partridge family. Or Andy Griffith. And then when Scooby-Doo wasn't... <laughs> oh, I forgot he was on it. Yep, Barney Fight. Um, yep. When Scooby-Doo wasn't stupid enough, they had invited his whole idiot dog family in. <laughs> you know what bothered me about all Hanna-Barbera cartoons? was when they would run and the background would scroll around and you'd see the same background uh-huh. over and over again. That used to drive me crazy. That was a short trip, I bet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Part two continues on the fourth page following. Thank Jesus. God. We have a nice Rocky and Bullwinkle ad for Cheerios here. Cheerios and milk give us people muscle-making protein and lots of go, go, go. That's good. Thank you. Can you do Rocky? Um... Our Cheerios. Well, you know, Rock, uh, Rocky's voice was done by a woman. Sure. So I June can't. Foray. I can't do it that high. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, the pocket of pocket of slurp noise was an oil field. The Euphrates Freight Company, faster than a camel, cheaper than a slave. That's racist. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Put a sacred uh, so tiger the in your tank. Oil wells are making. They do some kind of whammy mumbo-jumbo on the oil wells and turn them into the shapes of dead birds. Pocket of slurp. Pocket of slurp. He's uh, continuing to lead his people across the desert, including the cat who miraculously has avoided decomposition. Yeah. Just mummy-wrapped at a perfectly intact cat face. (laughs) That's what I want when I die. And then they dig up a flying barge to fly to America. Yeah, they call it a solar ship. Mm-hmm. Solar boat. Solar boat airlines. That's weird. Because they had that in ancient Egypt. That's some weird shit. So then they go to the United States and land at the airport. And the press is there and they notice that the solar boat comes <laughs> in. And so the Wait, wait, wait. What? So in the 60s, did... The press just wait around the airport <laughs> looking for someone to fly in. in. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Are you anybody? Uh, uh, I guess. Well, I mean, that's like job security, I guess. Sorry, boss. I got to hang out at the airport bar in case a celebrity flies in. Do you suppose that would be fun just to do it day after day, sit in the bar, eat and drink? I do like to people watch. So I think it would be fun for me. I would get so bored. Now, I don't like talking to people. So if that was part of my job that I had to approach people and ask if they were famous. Yeah, it'd be hard for you. Right. But the sitting at the bar, I'm down with that. Sean? Um, I would like that, I guess. But I'm I'm with Bob. I would just pass on talking to them. I would just sit at the bar and watch people. (laughs) And drink. I think we're bearing the lead. Oh, oh that, yes, that too, of course. Um, the Egyptian delegation arrives at the airport where they are mistaken by an actual Egyptian delegation visiting the UN uh, that just happened to be wearing ceremonial costume. Witchcraft makes Jerry put on some kind of costume to lift curse or... Uh, eject the ring from She's his trying to get skin. the ring out of his body, so she puts a bearskin on over his shoulders and an ostrich feather in his hat, makes him hold a rhinoceros femur, rhinoceros femur and then some sort of sacred willow. Has him dance, and then she just punches him in the stomach. What bothers me is the ring is the only thing that comes out. 
<laughs> I mean, you should you should really see like all of those objects flying out. Right, except maybe those things are too big to come out of his mouth. And maybe, in fact, they didn't go in the, through his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, we call that the front Heimlich in the medical business, where you just run at someone at full speed and pound into their stomach. Anyway, here's the ring. Let's give it to Renfrew. Makes sense. Well, it's interesting because that that witch, she's always planning revenge on Renfrew in such a way that she would like him to die. Mm -hmm. She really wants him dead. I'm with her on that. Yeah. Um, She's plotting all the ways that she would, well, that she's hoping the ring will curse Renfrew, which I wasn't quite clear if that's how the ring is supposed to work. I thought it was if you were wearing the ring, you could curse other people. It's what we were led to believe by the advertising company. I don't think they're really sticklers for facts in this comic. Uh, oh, don't you? No. Okay. I think she's just fantasizing all of the miserable ends for Renfrew. Um, this issue was written by Arnold Drake, who also wrote the Doom Patrol of this era. Uh-huh. And these fantasies of witchcraft are reminiscent of when Beast Boy would turn into different animals but still have his regular face. Mm -hmm. Ah, yes. Because now we see Renfrew being transformed into a camel, a sphinx, and one of the Great Pyramids. All with Renfrew's face. face. (laughs) That's horrifying. The pyramid. Anyway, here comes the mummies. They're right outside of Jerry Lewis's house, and she sends that tiger. Is it a tiger? I I think so. Sort of desert cat. Tigers aren't desert cats. They're in the jungle. Maybe it's a liger. They can survive (laughs) in the desert. It's pretty much a favorite animal. So it goes up into the room, and they talk to Renfrew and ask him, what he stole, where the stolen merchandise is. And he, of course, gives away, he's talking in his sleep, he gives away all of his secrets. And then he is frightened awake. And he does say to them, he uses slang to say to them, what does he say? I'll give you the ring if you cough up some silver. And they cough, and the high priest of the mummy mm-hmm. creates a miniaturized live. Long John Silver that is in Renfrew's hand and then somehow goes somewhere. Yeah, know. never to what be do spoken a, of again. No, what do you do with like a, a, a four-inch human being with a parrot on its shoulder with a sword running around? In, I mean, does that magic wear off at some point? It must. Anyway, that pays off the gag of crossing my palm with silver. Get it? Because it's Long John Silver. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more concerned with how is Long John Silver running at full speed with a wooden leg? <laughs> Must be so uncomfortable. Um, those things weren't built for comfort in the 17th century. Mm-hmm. They just basically took his raw stump of meat and shoved it into a wooden peg. Yeah. <laughs> well, they would wrap it in bandages. No. They didn't invent bandages then. <laughs> yes, they did because the mummies are older than yeah, long then, No, then the Dark Ages happened and we lost all that knowledge about bandages <laughs> until the 20th century. They didn't have memory foam in the Dark Ages? No. They didn't no. have memory foam in the 1700s? No. Um, 
Anyway, Jerry wakes up and realizes that Renfrew has been kidnapped, and instead of letting him go, as Which I would is what do, he should have done, he employs witchcraft to fly him into the air after the flying Egyptian barge to save Renfrew. Why, Jerry? Why? <laughs> um, part three. I think I said this before, but I just want to say this again. Yeah. Witchcraft strikes me as the kind of housekeeper that has a certain smell. Yeah, she's not very clean herself. No. And so I'm wondering how clean Jerry's house is. Right. What do you think she smells like? She's got... Um, sweat. Meatloaf. And... Baked anal- potatoes. Analgesic grub. Oh, wow. I, w- I would throw in some stewed cabbage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and she's her skin is always moist, I bet. Ugh. Ugh. Moist but dirty. Yeah, not moist like glistening, moist like... Oily. Just swampy. <laughs> <laughs> All the way down. <laughs> oh, so they go to... Uh, they're in the air, and the mummy and his wife... I guess, and as high priest, they see the broom. They want the broom, right? Yeah. And so the priest does some magic words, and they pull the broom away from witchcraft and Jerry, because they've been flying on it, and they are sans broom and tumbling to the earth. Luckily, luckily is in air quotes, witchcraft is able to save them by turning her hat to a giant parachute. Um, now we discover that the advertising agency have discovered the theft of the ring. And they quickly realize that it must have been King Tut-Tat-Tut that stole it because he was seen in America. Right. Now, the mummies have taken Renfrew back to the king's tomb where they're interrogating him. And they've been tracked by Jerry Lewis and witchcraft. Now, it is kind of funny that the uh, the mummy interrogation, they all have the silhouettes of actual police officers and detectives. Uh-huh. And, uh, our, and our bands. Yeah, like so, yeah, insignia Starbucks. representing their rank. So that was, mm-hmm. you know, if we're going to give them credit for anything, nice little sight gag. Right. We do have some nice sight gags coming up, I will say that. Now, they encounter a mummy who's wrapped in DC <laughs> go-go check bandages. <laughs> Self-promo is what we call it in the ad world. Right, right. Listing off the comics that they had in ancient Egypt. I don't need to go into that. I thought Dune Patrol was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. And Tumahawk. (laughs) (laughs) So Jerry and Witchcraft have wrapped themselves up in bandages to pretend to be mummies. Yes. And she's supposed to follow behind him, but they're apparently they're both walking with their eyes closed because that's what mummies do. Mm -hmm. And they promptly separate. Right. Why would someone walk with their eyes closed? Because that's what mummies do. Well, you've seen mummy movies, haven't you? Well, they have eyes. Mummies have eyes. But often their eyes are covered with bandages, so... They have eyes? How do they get around? Um, They just bump into things. (laughs) If they did, they would would never be able to get their prey. They would just be walking around in circles. Like a Roomba. (laughs) <laughs> uh, 
Uh, maybe they have sonar. <laughs> like a bat? Screak, screak. <laughs> uh, a mummy guard comes alive and tries to cut Jerry Lewis's head off. But luckily, again in air quotes, Jerry Lewis bends over to pick up a pin on the and floor. And he gets his uh, bandages cut. Instead. Yeah. So they unwrap them. Good luck, as all pins do. Yeah, what? That's not a thing, is it? No, penny, a penny. I'm 48, and I've never heard of a pin bringing you good luck. I can't wait till I turn 48, but I've always heard of a penny bringing you good luck. (laughs) I'm just surprised you can remember 48, Bob. (laughs) It's so funny. I forgot to laugh. Um. So Jerry's bandages are unraveling, but because he has his eyes closed and apparently has no tactile sensation on the rest of his body, (laughs) he doesn't realize the bandages are gone until he reaches the interrogation room where Renfrew is being held prisoner. And then he realizes that witchcraft is not there. So he's doomed. I love that uh, drawing on the bottom right-hand corner of that page. The jumping in the air. It's great. This is where the Scooby-Doo music started in my head. Yeah. Page 21. Yeah. So, yeah, he, like, folds himself in half and manages to avoid being decapitated with a sword, and the sword breaks in half against the wall. He's so limber. That I, comes from his great comedic prowess. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm not wondering anymore how he got that model of the New York World's Fair up inside him. <laughs> Princess Shamata, the aforementioned big fat mummy lady, um, lures Jerry and Renfrew into his private room where she can steal a kiss. Now she shows Jerry that she has a pendant of him dressed in pharaonic costume. Yes. Claiming that he was her lover 3,000 years ago. Until Renfrew discovers she's got a whole room of pendants. A whole room of copyright infringement. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> so that's this there's Wolfman, and to the left of that is Frankenstein. I'm not sure who is the far left corner of them with I the big think nose. That's Jimmy Durante. Yeah. Oh, that would make sense. Uh, Mickey Mouse, Alfred E. Newman, um, Bob, Hope. Bob Hope. Is that, and who's in the is that Ringo Starr? That's what I was oh, thinking. Oh, it must be Ringo Starr. Also, right above Frankenstein, is that Hitler or Mr. Spock? (laughs) Let's just say it's Hitler. Okay. Um, So, yeah, she has a whole room of pendants, lest she encounter any celebrities. Maybe she's a reporter. So she's hanging around here (laughs) waiting for a celebrity to walk by to claim that she was their lover 3,000 years ago. They escape out the back door where the guards are still waiting And witchcraft appears in the nick of time to turn all of their spears into snakes. Snakes. Now, I know they could do that in ancient Egypt because I've seen it in the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. Just throw things on the ground and turn them into snakes. Absolutely. It scans. It's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Who's this? Oh, it's Mr. Jacker. Arrives in the tomb. To claim the ring for which he paid $100,000 of, what did you call it, Sean? It was a return on his investment is what he's looking discretionary. for. Discretionary. Oh, yeah. Was, is that like just a discretionary fund of hundreds of thousands of dollars for ancient relics? I guess. 
most businesses have that? Sure. Okay. I thought so. Anyway, Mr. Jacker wants to come to a deal with the mummy after he discovers Renfrew eating some ancient goop out of a jar. Oh, that's quite the hell? How many thousands of years has it been sitting fermenting in that jar? How is it even still edible? It's probably a body was in there, like <clears throat> a body of the dog or something that had just turned to goo and Renfrew's eating it. Oh, it's delicious. Kids eat anything. I guess so. Um, kids are known for their discriminating tastes, especially in candy. So Mr. Jacker's going to take this goo of which only one small jar of exists in the entire world, but he's going to found a multinational company based on it. Um, and King Tut Tut Tut's going to run the candy company. Renfrew's going to get 10% of all earnings, and Mr. Jacker gets the ring. The end. Well, the mummy also took up smoking. He sure did. Well, sure. Everyone in advertising smokes. I've seen Bewitched and Mad Men. Isn't that right, Sean? It is right. I just spend all day smoking. Mm-hmm. Big, fat stogies. Well, what do we think of the... It's rotten. It's terrible that Sean had to be a guest on this particular one. It... Sean, didn't you just watch What's New Pussycat? Uh, yeah, I watched that yesterday. And I found that to be not even remotely amusing, and this is even less so. Um, it gets a shout-out in letter column. I don't know if you saw. I did not read the letter column. Well, Judy Clapper of Flushing, New York, is asking about Jerry's future movie plans because it's always a big day in her neighborhood when one of his pictures open. Ah. Uh-huh. And so uh, it mentions Woody Allen, who burst on the movie scene with a bang in What's New Pussycat, which he authored and in which he appeared, has made overtures to Jerry about directing or starring in a movie. Oh. I don't know if that ever happened. I wonder if Jerry like came in and answered these letters. Uh, Jerry what? Did he answer, answer the, the letters? letters himself? <laughs> oh, God. Probably. I'm sure he didn't have other stuff to do. Right? <laughs> um, you know, these comics, Jerry Lewis and Bob Hope, will never be reprinted because apparently the estates own the material, not DC Comics. Oh, that's interesting. I was reading about that today. There's several issues. One's coming up, in fact, where Jerry Lewis teams up with actual DC superheroes. Really? Mm-hmm. Is it comedic, I wonder? Um, well, define comedic. Put that in air quotes. Well, do you mean, <laughs> Is it comedic? Um, yes, in the Jerry Lewisian sense. Yes. Hilarious, as my mother would say. I don't think my mother even liked Jerry Lewis, and she liked a lot of those old-timey movie stars. She'd watch a lot of crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She'd watch any old crap, but she wouldn't like Jerry Lewis. No. Oh, your dad liked Hoopy Goldberg. Did he? Didn't he? Oh, no. I like that Hoopy. Um, no, my dad did love anything that smacked of... Uh, shall we say minstrel comedy? Oh, like, I remember your father saying he liked that Hoopy Goldberg. It might be, but he never got over the fact that Amos and Andy was canceled from television. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Like years, decades later, he was still talking about Amos and Andy, <laughs> quoting lines from it. Good Lord. 
It's a different time. Now, I Thank will God. say any person that came to our door, regardless of race or creed or background, that needed They were welcomed a, in. Yes. Anybody got a meal and a bed. But then they had to sit down and watch Sanford and Sanford. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Your parents never turned anyone away. They were very, very welcoming. Yes. Well, that brought the room down, didn't it? What's up next for everybody? Besides hurricane prep. Well, we've got another day off, don't we? Yeah. I do, too. I have another day off, and uh, I'm binging on Peter Sellers' films. That's our next episode on Cinema Chop Shop. Okay. Um, We just finished recording. uh, I'm sorry. uh, We just finished recording Yvonne DiCarlo films. Nice. little Lily Munster action. Yes. She was also in the Ten Commandments. Indeed. I was a guest on Cinema Chop Shop, you know, Rob, a couple of weeks ago. I do know that. Um, you can find us all on social media. I'm at Coco Chuck Pod. And uh, we're at Cinema Chop Shop on Twitter and Facebook and all the other social things. Right. And you seem to watch about 85 movies a day. Pretty much. Uh, I will by the end of this year. I will have watched four hundred plus films that are unique to me. Um, How do you to find me. time? Um, just squeeze them in when you can, morning and night. <laughs> That's what she said. Hey, now are you dedicated watching these, or is it like multitasking? Um, it depends on the film. Um, naturally, a subtitled film, uh, foreign language film. I've got to really sit down and pay attention. If it's an action flick, you can easily follow along without paying too much attention. Well, I guess if you don't speak many languages like I do. (laughs) Rob? Yes? Anything exciting to add about your own life? Um, I No, I'm sorry. I'm buried in my work, Mm -hmm. and in my spare time, I'm learning Spanish, playing guitar and piano and reading. And there you go. Well, I've almost found every shrine in Breath of the Wild, so my life's going great, too. Oh, I did buy a Magic the Gathering starter set. That's true. Yes, I'm going to open that up this evening and start reading about it, and hopefully I can find someone to play with me. I will play with you and try to erase the bad memory of the one time we started playing 25 years ago, and then I got food poisoning and threw up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was also the first time in my adult life that I had thrown up, and I was terrified. So Where that was that. That was in Florida, on Fairway Drive. We had been at Disney all day long, uh-huh. and so I probably had heat stroke, and also my mother made jambalaya. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna blame. So, I'm gonna blame the cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We sat down to start playing in about five minutes and I had to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, I was my first adult throwing up experience. He hates to throw up. Um, I'm okay with it now. But I was a younger man then. Wow. My. I was only in my mid-20s. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of killed the fun of that game. Yeah, I'll say so. Nothing kills a fun card game like someone getting up to throw up for the first time in their adult <laughs> life and having have their hand held. Shut up. I didn't even mention having to have my hand held. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I never said it. I don't know what. What? <laughs> Butler. Sean. Yes, sir. Won't you come back when there's a good comic to read? I would love to. I would love to do any uh, Metamorpho uh, uh, episodes. Okay. Uh, Doom Patrol. 
um, pretty much any of them other than the uh, so-called comedies. You're on. They're awful. Maybe we can do those as audio dramas from now on. Spare ourselves. I have to work on my Jerry Lewis voice. I could do it. I just have to watch. It's just like uh, idiotic screaming, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, kind of tenery, you know. Yeah. Okay, well, I got it. All right, fellas. I think we have to break up the fun now. I think so. Good to hear to, to spend some time with you, Sean. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me uh, on. things at the brewery? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. Go ahead. Oh, things are great at the brewery. Thank you very much. Uh, been very busy. Of course, as you know, South Carolina is a battleground state for the Democratic primaries. And uh, even though we remain a nonpartisan facility, we have hosted uh, one and we'll have a few of the Democratic candidates at the brewery. <sighs> really? Yeah, we had Beto O'Rourke uh, uh, last week. He came in and did a, a town hall kind of meeting, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Wow. He's very tall, isn't he? He's very tall and very approachable, uh, very casual guy. And he says fuck on the air. He does. That's his new thing. He's a straight shooter. Well, you can check us all out on social media. You can listen to Cinema Chop Shop wherever you get your downloaded Please do. Podcast. We need those downloads. And uh, don't forget to rate and review all of us. Only if it's a good review, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all for us. As Jerry Lewis would say, Bye! Bye! Bye.